Who cares what number episode it is? Welcome back to Slam City Dunk360.com. Episode 11, okay. I just said I don't care what number it is. The people do. It's on the title of the. You know what? You, 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 he doesn't get it. That's Raymond Mora with Jeremy Epstein. <laughs> I'm Oquan Sonier. He knows how to introduce show. us this time, right? I like that when we go to the Liberty Games, he doesn't introduce us to the people yeah, he, he meets. Just likes, you know, I met, her, like I met people randomly. Yeah, he meets all these people from all these other media outlets. He doesn't introduce us, He's right? like, you know, we're, we're like useless to him. That happened one time. Who we'll called you multiple useless? Who we'll called you <laughs> useless? You called you useless. That's multiple That's times. That's the impression you give off that you don't love us. The listeners say differently. But. Mwah, mwah, <laughs> mwah. That's how it sounds like right now. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Are you going to invest in a sound machine for the next show, Ray? I might just invest in a drop machine so I can use drops of you saying stuff. That would involve you actually having to go through and cut the episodes and actually... Anyway, let's start the show. Breast cancer awareness, they support that. Pride, they support. Green um, initiative. Go Green initiative, go green. they support, right? So we want them to, to hear our voices and support and stand with us and support this as well. The funny thing about basketball is that it tends to either be really good or really bad when it comes to social issues. But here, and I wrote about it up on the website, it, I believe it should be up there, my opinion piece on why I think the WNBA overstepped regarding the New York Liberty, the Indiana Fever, and the Phoenix Mercury, although it focused mostly on the Liberty. What's interesting to me is that the whole thing seems incongruous because on the one hand, you have the NBA that's moving the All-Star game out of Charlotte because of the House 2 bill, which discriminates against transgender people. And on the other hand, you have the WNBA, whose players are protesting and making their voices heard regarding the Black Lives Matter movement, and they're being fined for it. That 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 that's why, I, guys, I say it's a little incongruous because it, it doesn't seem to make sense. It's like mixed messages. And if you out. even want a more comparable example, you could look at um, during the NBA season when LeBron James and other NBA players wore the I Can't Breathe warm-up shirts, they weren't fined for it. Yeah, that so, just makes no sense. The WNBA finding them, and the NBA's not getting fined at all. And they're supporting what the players are doing, but the, they're not, the NBA, WNBA players, they're not getting supported by the league. The WNBA pl- is the sister league of the NBA, so you'd think they'd have similar policies when it comes to fining for or you know discipline or for expressions based on personal feelings which they're doing the right thing though they're expressing how they feel and they're using their platform and that's very important to them yeah it really is and it's just it's unbelievable though i mean some of these players don't even get paid a lot of money and as they should because they, they work hard for what they do but the fact they're getting fined for it and it's just ridiculous i mean let, let's take the size of you know their salaries out of the picture i per- and i and i think we all share this sentiment but it, it just feels a little weird to me that on both sides of this argument, you're still stuck looking at the WNBA like, what are you doing? Yeah, they're not fined, I believe, for their protests. They're fined for altering the uniforms, which is interesting because if you look at a jersey, it's just filled with sponsorships. There's no yeah. real, I guess, because whoever paid didn't pay to have the message put on. I mean, the fine doesn't make any sense. It's the bottom line. I mean, yesterday in the Liberty game in the locker room, they were, you know, saying what they had need to be said. And. You know, I, f- I felt like the players did what they had to do, and it was the right thing to do, but we'll see what happens. So you play. guys were there. So after the game, you walk in the locker room. Just set the scene for our listeners here. Well, we walked into the locker room. 
all the you know all the cameras everybody was there just spy on they're, they're all talking saying about you know the reason for not talking about the game more so about you know the whole issue with them getting fined and, and saying why they did it swing crash had a great point about it um don't go out got your elaborate on that you know what crash said I mean, he, here's what, what really made the scene different for us. Because usually, and I've had my fair share of locker room snafus, but we've learned, we've moved on as both of you not in agreement. Usually when you walk into the locker room, the players are at their lockers. You know, it's, it's just like a hum of media. You kind of rotate to whomever you want to speak to at the time. Yep. This time, we walked in because we caught up with Fever head coach Stephanie White on the way out. Who's a tremendous we, speaker, too. Yeah. And... and we walked in, and there was a gathering, and the whole team was just standing. And regarding this issue, there have really been three main spokeswomen. Swin Cash, Tina Charles, and Tanisha Wright. Another thing that I thought was really interesting about it was that they felt the need to reaffirm really what it is they stood for. Because the Black Lives Matter movement, whether you're taking it from the side of the supporter or on the opposite side it's like they go through the task of clarifying exactly what it is they stand for and i think in essence that's an even braver part of what they're doing because most people would just wear the shirt say the phrase and walk out no matter what walk of life or what profession that they're a part of and they went through and hashed through it so they show sincerity and an actual thought through exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So you, got, so you uh, even when you, I don't think anyone thought this anyway, but you can really tell this is the uh, issue that matters to these women. And they're not doing it to, to just do it. They're doing it to make a statement because they really want to see change. And here's the interesting thing about it. 70% of this league is black, and that's not just a random number. Statistics from the University of Central Florida's Institution for Diversity in Sport and pretty much anyone else who's tracked the WNBA say the numbers are 70% of this league is black. And what's very interesting about it is one thing Tanisha Wright said yesterday. She said, not, not nearly a direct quote, but something to the tune of, when there's breast cancer awareness, we support that. When it's LGBT Pride Night, we support that. The Go Green Initiative, we support that. So what's happening here? In a league where most of your players are affected they're not saying much of anything in fact they're doing the exact opposite and the weird thing about it is if we're going back to the fines which jerby ray we all agree that doesn't really make much sense i don't even think they were fined for the protest shirts that they wore in the direct aftermath they were fined because instead of wearing their team sanctioned warm-ups they wore black adidas shirts that's weird. Yeah, we said like we yeah, said it earlier. Strange. If you look at, I said it earlier. If you look at a WNBA jersey, it's just filled with sponsorships. There's not really anything team issue. There's not just so that they wear um, a phrase that they believe in, which was hashtag Black Lives Matter and hashtag the Dallas Five, that they get fined for it. It doesn't really seem to make much sense because they're not. I, I don't understand what the WNBA's thought process and is. Even, and yeah, and even after that, for those specific Adidas shirts, they were blank. They were just plain in black. So. I don't know. And then I think Tina Charles yesterday did what the Clippers did after um, Donald Sterling was still their owner during that playoff series. It just turned their warm-ups inside out. And she said she's ready to do it for the entire season. 
Well, hopefully you save all that money then, because the WNBA is not going to well, stop. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Well, they can't because they set a terrible precedent. And what the, if the WNBA wanted, for whatever reason, wanted to try to silence these women, which is completely despicable? Yeah. They have every right to express themselves. They're going about it all wrong because this is going to only unionize them as a group because they feel like their message isn't being heard. Let's and let's use this as an opportunity to sort of switch gears to the NBA for a bit. First of all, they they agreed to move the game from Charlotte. Rather, they didn't agree to it. They're moving the game from Charlotte because of the House 2 bill, and they're still searching for it. But we're not seeing many teams outwardly advocate for that move in, in any way, shape, or form. But then you hear Carmelo Anthony yesterday at USA Basketball Training Camp saying that the fines make no sense. The fines that do for the WNBA players make absolutely no sense. No sense at all. It can't be said enough how little sense the fines make. But I think the interesting thing is that we're seeing more of the NBA players actually coming. I don't want to say coming to the aid because it gives off a whole They're standing in solidarity with the WNBA yeah. that's players. A be- that's a perfect way to say it. Well, it's for the people right now. So he's speaking the truth about things, and he wants the things to be changed. And you know, you, gotta, well, you could say whatever you want to say about Carmelo Anthony as a basketball player, but what he's doing for his community, yeah, is a hundred percent commendable. It really is. You can't say anything negative about that. He truly believes in it. He's organizing this giant thing in Los Angeles. And when he was asked if someone asked to stop him, he said, "I don't care. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to use my platform." And that's a hundred percent commendable. And it's great to have an athlete like that in New York. And here's what makes this even more interesting, as if it couldn't get any more interesting. One question that Tina Charles was posed during the whole thing yesterday is, what impact does this have on the Olympics? She said, we and the men are going to sort of figure out what we're going to do. And the last time, really, the U.S. had any black athletes really make a stand for solidarity was back in 1968 when Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised their fists on the medal stand and were eventually stripped of their medals. So it kind of leads me to ask, what is it that these players could conceivably do? Because we don't want to rip, I don't think it would be a good look for USA Basketball to rip any potential awards away from these men and women. And even more importantly, especially for Joey Colangelo, who has half, who has half black relatives, all of a sudden you have to figure out how USA Basketball have to deal or choose to deal with players who feel like they need to send a message on a worldwide stage. Well, that's a whole other discussion because if you're going to punish players for sending a message, then Draymond Green shouldn't even be going to Rio because he got arrested for attacking the college kid. But it's also an international thing. I mean, this is is bigger than... Well, that's why... Well, if you're going to take a stand... You're not gonna. Eat. That would be the perfect opportunity because not just fans of your sport are gonna be watching, but fans of the, fans world. Of the Olympic Games yeah. in general. I mean, that'll be the biggest stage for them. But can they handle that? Like that's the question. Even as, even as together, men and women, can they handle that together? Well, that's something to definitely look out for. It, 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 we could hash about trying to talk about potential ideas for hours, but until you actually see what they're gonna do, speculating on it is kind of hard to yeah. do. It is, but it, it's just. It's worth trying to put all these things into at least lining up in the, in the best way that we can for where we are right now. And then now. you could also, I mean, you could talk about the thing in Charlotte where the NBA is moving the All-Star game, and it's because of 
the harsh laws in North Carolina. And you were saying that some people really weren't advocating for the move. I mean, I feel bad for those fans. Yeah, I mean, because absolutely. if you look, absolutely, because we had the All Star Game here in New York, and I know I went to the Fan Fest. I went to the Celebrity Game. It was a great experience. The fans get kind of screwed by this. And if you look at what it's going to do to the Charlotte economy, I think the estimate was a hundred million dollars. Well, here's the reason why that it's because going to be of lost. Objections to the North Carolina law that limits anti-discrimination protections for lesbian, gay, and transgender people. Yeah, the law is despicable. Yeah, I mean, it's, the, the, the it's, it's disgusting. disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. And it, the NBA—it's not like the NBA said it's pulling it out without warning. When this law was being voted on, they said if this happens, we may have, have to look at. And then after they said it several times, and then it passed, and they said if you don't do something about this, we are going to move the game, and it shows the NBA is a, a lot more progressive than the WNBA because if you who owns the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan, and the NBA is willing to say, look, Michael, you're the greatest player to ever play the game. We know we gave you this, but we're going to have to take it away because our principals can't support this. Even Stephen Curry was disappointed. He wanted to play. Well, he's from the hometown. hometown. Same with Chris Paul. They wanted to play there, and now they can't even do that. They're not upset the game was moved. (laughs) They're upset for the fans not getting to play in front of their families, which is something that I feel really bad for those fans in Charlotte. It would have been great for that city, but clearly the politics are interfered, and that law definitely should be revisited. So then what does that say about the NBA as a whole? Because – even though they're two separate entities, I don't think it would make any sense to think that both of those teams don't – rather, both of those leagues – Don't communicate in some exactly way. Exactly. You would so. think that – yeah, because they're sister leagues. You would think there'd be a relationship where they'd follow pre- NBA precedent or something like that. But, I mean, the WNBA, as you said, is its own entity. They can do whatever they want. I don't think the fine makes sense. I don't think anyone here thinks the fine makes sense. But I just find it – I don't I, I don't mean to cause any undue speculation, but I, I kind of find it hard to think – that any of the higher-ups in the NBA didn't hear about this and say, whoa, 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 don't do this, or maybe they gave the green light. It's a fair question no, to ask. Or maybe if you just, look at Adam Silver's reign as commissioner, he's done everything to be the most progressive commissioner he, 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 and support free speech. Look, he got rid of Donald Sterling after what Donald Sterling said. The NBA didn't find the players for wearing the shirts of protest with the, with the hashtag I can't breathe on them. If anything, the NBA would have been, if they had any prior knowledge, they would have shot this down in a heartbeat. Maybe because the NBA, they don't get that much notice compared to the NBA players. That's why they get fined. I mean, in my opinion, if they got more notice, maybe they... Well, if the that's the case, then they wouldn't... That, that's the reason that's why they worse. wouldn't get fined. That's because even worse. Because if, if what you're saying is true, then no one's watching the WNBA, then it would make no sense to find them. If anything, the fact that more eyes are on the players is great for the league because the, how many people are talking about the fact that WNBA's 20th anniversary, that one of the teams, the Los Angeles Sparks, started out 20-1 and one, tied yeah. the record for the best start. No one's talking about that. So the fact that more media is covering the players would, should be great for the league. And instead, they're flipping it around as a negative by finding these players. Just when we said that the Yankees needed to come out of the gate, swing in after the All-Star break, they lose the first two to Boston, then win the finale, then they win the first three games against Baltimore, and then drop a are-you-kidding-me game last night. Uh, Buy or sell. Sell. And there's I think a poll. you hold until you're closer to the deadline. But we did a poll, and 89% say that they sell, and 11% say no one cares. So they sell. Sheesh. No <laughs> one cares. <laughs> more can't. no one cares than yet. Wow. <laughs> but I just, I'm just saying in general because look, look at it this way. The Yankees right now, they're an average team. That's what they are. 
If you look at the definition of average, you put a picture of the Yankees right yeah, there, right 500 now. 500 team. Because that's what they are. They're a 500 team. They're an up and down team. They're not great on paper. That's just old, and they're not that talented. So the guys who would you would be looking to sell would be the three relievers, that three-headed monster, and Carlos Beltran. The only one who I'm, I would get rid of is Carlos Beltran. Yeah. Because I don't. You look at the Yankees' track record of developing young talent. Who who have they developed? They they had this real edict back when I believe after they fired Joe Torre that we're gonna build through the farm system. We're not gonna give out bad contracts, and we're gonna build our farm system up and develop young talent. And what so they, they fired do? Joe Torre in two thousand seven. It's almost ten years later. Name one impactful player who has come up and from the Yankees farm system. Well, so the fact that their scouting department isn't good means that strategy isn't going to work. So it doesn't make any sense to sell. So if you keep this with these three relievers, you're not going to find anybody better than that. You wait till these contracts come off the books and then look at free agency because that's what the Yankees have done. Except when they won their championships, because they actually had a scouting department. Look, who who have the Yankees developed? Well, the only player they developed, but he's gone right now, is, is Cano. But then he's gone. So that's the only play they really did well. Everybody else And they were going to throw him in on the A-Rod trade. So they didn't even think he'd be a good player. And, and so Gardner. that's that's my point exactly. They can't identify young talent. Because yeah, when, like when they have a talent like that, they were just going to throw him in in an Alex Rodriguez trade. I think they ended up throwing in Joaquin Arias, and Arias instead. Thank so that's God the, they did. Exactly. But that's the point. They can't develop or identify young talent. So the, guy, the prospects that they're going to trade or receive for some of these A-level players probably aren't even going to work out. I mean, what are the Yankees right now? They're a, a C-plus team right now. That's Forget a letter grade. It doesn't even matter at this point. I and mean, then can they compete with A-plus talent? No. Yeah. Yes. If you With that bullpen, they well, can. Well, they can with that bullpen. But that, the thing is, that's, okay, that's, but that's, who's that's a, a if. That's who's a the A-plus talent in the, in the American League right now? How many A-plus talents are there? Not I'm not really talking about the much. National League where you have the Cubs and you have the Nationals and then you have the Giants. I'm talking about the American League playoffs. If they got in through the wild card, who's the A-plus teams that they can compete with, that they can't compete with? Cleveland Indians? Didn't, how they, did, they won the series Exactly. The, the Yankees Indians. won that series. That's a big if for the Yankees because of their they're open. All, yeah, because but trading, they're all mi- But they're trading the big. three relievers for prospects, that's a bigger if than that because you don't know who you're going to get. I get Chapman's a free agent, but you have Miller under team control. You have Betances under team control. It doesn't make any sense, in my opinion, to sell. Eh, I mean, or at least not sense, right now. But, right now, but if you I think guess. About, they're not going anywhere. Let's say they lose this this next uh, matchup against the Giants in this series. If they lose, they got to sell. I mean, they're I've not going to go anywhere in general. Exactly. So what, what's the point of just Because they're going to sell, and you're not going to be able to get any talent back. Because if you look at the Yankees' track record of trading for guys or trying to develop young talent, it's disastrous. I, I would sell, though, only if you're getting good prospects. But, but you don't know that. That's the thing about prospects. How many big-time Yankee prospects have we said, he's next, he's next? How about Phil Hughes? Jabba. Jabba Chamberlain. Jesus Montero. Brett Garner was just, you know. Brett Garner wasn't a heralded no, he talent at all. Brett Garner came Andrew out of nowhere. Andrew Brackman. You remember Manny Buenuelos. The Killer Bees. <laughs> yeah. The only one who's successful is Batances, and he came up as a starter. So yeah. he's a failed starter. He's a really great reliever, but he's yeah, a failed starter. So. And then if you look at the Yankees roster right now, Shreve was in – the, the minors for them, but he's a back-end guy. Romine has been in the system for a while. He's a backup catcher. Rob Snyder, I don't know why they can't find him playing time. I don't know why he doesn't know what position he's playing. He doesn't know what <laughs> position he's playing. Ronald Torres, really? Yeah. 
And then what makes this a little bit more baffling, let's go back to 2011 for a second. I was all for the Brian McCann signing because he's the best catcher on the market and it makes sense. But we'd been hearing about Gary Sanchez for the longest. Man, he was supposed long. to be next. Exactly. And we haven't seen him yet. Gary Sanchez and Jesus Montero were supposed to be the future. The Yankees One and two. were supposed to have the some of the best backstops forever. They were going to move Montero to first base because he couldn't catch. And they were going to have Sanchez, and they were going to be set from behind the plate. How many prospects have you heard that exact same thing being uttered about, and then they haven't panned out? Shoot, just look at Mike Zanino. He was the number three pick in the MLB draft a few years ago. He can't hit 200. And he's up with the Mariners on the major league level. I mean, so, the, the level of play, though, from AAA to MLB is like five times. Exactly, of, that's of my anything, point. So you, have, so you have a so level. Unless, unless you're getting back proven major league talent. Or young talent who could hit. Look at he, a guy like Alan Craig who was a part of a trade from St. Louis to Boston. And Alan Craig performed incredible in the World Series when the Cardinals won it. Have you heard of Alan Craig since th- no. that trade? Nope. No. Exactly. So you don't know who you're going to get back. You have three guys you could build around. And the Yankees should know about the uh, having a great bullpen better than anybody. Look who their closer was for all those years when they were winning. Some dude named Mariano Rivera. And how many championships did they win? Five. And without Mariano, how many do you think they win? Zero. Maybe one. Exactly. That's my point, though. You build around the bullpen. These aren't yeah. just outfield guys. Like, I understand getting rid of Beltran. He's on the last year of his deal. He's close to 40, and he's having a great year, so you sell high on them. But it doesn't make sense to sell high on these but, relievers. But the Yankees need to build another core four. And I don't know but if they, they can. can. And I don't know if they can. That's the thing. I don't know if they can, though. Who's their core four right now? Here's, but you know what? Here would be the upside to a Beltran deal. Here's What sucks is that he's hurt right now. They should have brought up Aaron Judge. A while ago. They have nowhere to play him. That's the only problem. That's why I'm saying the Beltron trade could open it up so that when he gets better, you can bring him up later. in But the problem with selling is now you have conflicting visions because you've signed guys like Ellsbury to terrible contracts. So you're going to sell with guys with horrible contracts. You might as well keep the talent you have on the roster already because you're never going to bottom out completely because you still have players who, if they play up to the back of their baseball card, will be very productive. I mean, who are they going to sell? That's the question. Well, basically, it's the three relievers and probably Beltron is anybody who would really but who's if you get, desirable. If, if you get anything for anyone else, it's gravy. Exactly. But who's realistic, though? Yeah, three real- I, say Cha- I say Chapman's more realistic than traded. I don't think you get rid of Chapman. And Miller. Chapman throws you can't get rid of Miller. I don't understand why they would want to get rid of Miller. Unless you're going to get a bona fide starting pitcher, which the Yankees need, then it doesn't make any sense. And no team... And the August trade deadline is going to give you that because whoever's taking these guys thinks they can win a World Series. So you're not going to get any Major League talent right now. And the they funny thing Evaldi. about... Maybe, no, maybe. no, 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 not even. And the funny thing about Evaldi that was is... was a trade in the fall, right? Didn't they trade for him in the offseason? In the yeah. offseason yeah, so from Florida. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is if the Yankees want to get back to where they say they're supposed to be, they have to re- hit the reset button anyway, but now's not the time to do it. You, you wait till everybody comes off the books if you're going to do it. You, you, wait don't have a, you don't have a choice anymore. You don't, because you sign guys like Jacoby Ellsbury did an awful contract. Brian Seven McCann, years. I love that signing. He was the best catcher on the market. Yeah. You had to do it. The Yankees needed a catcher. But here's the That year they question, signed though. McCann. I think Chris Stewart was their catcher. Here's the biggest question, mm-hmm. though. What are they going to do with Alex Rodriguez? Well, you got you have gotta, him for one more gotta, year. Play it out. You play they, it out. They want to release him. You're gonna pay him twenty million dollars to go away. 
I mean, well, he's, what what are they going to do with him? It's not like he can't play any other position right now other than DH. So you platoon him. You have to platoon him. Either you platoon him or you hope that he's willing to learn first base, which he's not really obligated well, he to tried, do either. He, he, he tried, tried last year, and it was a disaster. Was a fail. He can't move, though. Yeah. Those hips are done. He's 40 years old. But I understand you trying to you gotta get him playing time. That's the thing. He's 40 years old. You have to find time to play him so we can catch up to the fastball. And Mark Deschero. I heard the rumors that they might release him, too. Well, then, he's, no he's done. This my, is his last year of his contract. It doesn't make sense and, to release and him. And my thing is this. It, what, what people sometimes don't understand about the way these transactions work, you can release him. You're still paying the money. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to get that money back. Unless maybe someone claims him on waivers, and I think you still have to pay him. So, so they're going to pay him regardless. Maybe they're going to take that sacrifice. So, it's, it's, a senseless, it's a senseless sacrifice. It because, doesn't make sense. because if he gets hot, he could play really well, so it makes no sense. If he's, he has to get the problem with Martin Sherry, he's never healthy and, 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 and he's, he's inconsistent. He's injury prone too. His best year was I think twenty ten. He hit like two eighty something, thirty seven home runs. Two thousand nine and two thousand ten. Great time to be it's Yankee. A, it's a bad year. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's just a Been bad year. Downhill ever since. CC, I think he he signed that extension twenty twelve. I think. So, but he could be bought out at some point for five million dollars. But you, you can't you, so you can't I, point to CC and say he's the problem. Ever since last nah, nah, the problem. second half of the year, CC's yeah. performed on his contract. Maybe not ace contract, but he's been a great pitcher for. Yeah, them. I mean he had to adjust to you know his injuries and knee problems and all that. So I'm not gonna blame CC for that. But you see the Yankees, they might just trade. And they we might trade even, him or they might just let him go. And we haven't even brought up Masahiro Tanaka. Do you oh, yeah, know how t- much money you gave Tanaka? So you're gonna sell yeah, while you're having a bona fide starter, and you can't trade Tanaka because at any moment his elbow could blow out. Yeah, Tanaka's not. Ace type of pitcher. Yeah, but you paid him like one, and when he's up to health and he's pitching well, he's performing like an ace-like pitcher. Remember how great he was when they first got him? Yeah, the problem is he never got that Tommy John surgery. He's exactly. been rehabbing so, it ever since. So the problem with selling is you're not going to get comparable value because what happens when you get when you trade Tanaka and then Tanaka dominates who, for another team? Who talked about trading Tanaka? But if you're going to bottom out completely, that's what you have to do. You have to get rid of all the talent you have and get the most back from. That's why it doesn't make anything. That's why it doesn't make any uh, sense I'll to g- sell. I'll give you this case right now, and I read this in the Sports Illustrated article. A case of Mike Trout maybe being traded for this reason only, though. The Angels aren't going nowhere, and they're, they're like 14 games under 500. Will the Yankees be interested in trying to trade for Trout? I don't if know you who had they the would. Right package. I think the well, question they would just is wait who would, for him. My, I think the better question is who would the Angels actually want from the Yankees? Exactly, the Yankees don't have the most desirable pieces other than those three amazing the, the relievers. Three and those relievers aren't going to do but much. But if the Angels, are, they're yeah. not going to do much for the Angels because the Angels suck. Exactly. So if you're going to tr- and if you're going to trade Mike Trout, they're obviously going to bottom out too. So they're not going to want major league talent. They're going to want guys that can develop. This doesn't make sense to trade one All Star for another, especially with the Angels with their bullpen because they're not going to have a lead for a guy to protect. And you're not going to turn either one of those three into starting pitchers because that's no. what it's been tried and done already. Yeah, which is ironic. That's why they're early. <laughs> they're, they're all all these guys are starters, all failed starters. <laughs> if they could if they could start, maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> well, we'll see what the Yankees do. But I tell you one thing: they don't sell by the thirty first of August first. I don't know. I think it's fail. the only thing. Failed. Let's come back next week to that. Well, the only thing you could, I would. Not be. T- I don't think they should give up the relievers, but I would understand if they gave up Chapman and Beltron. Beltron, I would. I think they're definitely going to trade because Probably. they have to sell high. Chapman, I wouldn't trade, but he's a free agent. They may not want to pay him. So I'd understand if they got rid of him, but I think it's a big mistake to get rid of a guy who could throw 105 miles an hour and is that dominant with that with the other two guys they have in that bullpen. So if if we're going to talk about the Yankees. 
we might as well talk about the Mets, particularly because the fans are still freaking the out. The defending National League champions and probably should have won. Probably should have won the World Series. Last I, I year. wouldn't say about that. They were the literally the only team they should have MLB won. history who blew such late leads in like the latter innings. There was an exact stat. The Mets literally found a way to lose in a way no other team in baseball history found a way to lose. But you gotta respect the Royals, though. They're, they're, they're yeah, they're team. the comeback they're, kids. They're, but the Mets probably should have the won that World the Series. Royals. But they're they're a team where it's not about power for them. It's about just hitting the ball. Yeah, but the Mets should have hit the ball. The Mets should have won that World Series. But let's it's get to where the Mets are right now, which is. A team in kind of an interesting position because they have the starting pitching. You lose Matt Harvey. They have a great back of the bullpen. And we're basically right where we were last year with their bats are inconsistent. But that's always been like that for the Mets. For the past three or four years. No, the past three four years, they were a garbage team who couldn't even win they couldn't, 80 yeah, games. But they now they're, uh, they should be a World Series contender. They had no offense, though. And then yeah, the pitching what, was, was there for them. Had the, so the question is, what do they do to fix that? question is, can they fix it? But what do they do? Well, obviously I, I, they can. They're going to ha- try to have to because they're working on a limited budget. They have these pitchers on a contract for a short amount of time. So if they're going to take advantage of this window, they have to do it. Well, you better pray then that Cespedes becomes Mr. All-Star and suddenly... But Cespedes is doing well. He's doing yeah, really he well. He's lived up to that contract. What do you, again, what do you want him to do? He can't hit in two different spots in the lineup. He might have to do more. What, what else? What more can he do? everybody else is inconsistent. So he might you want do that doesn't make sense. You want Baseball's okay. not that kind of game. So you want Cespedes to switch jerseys and when like a guy like I don't know like Wilmer Flores and he, Wilmer Flores is having a great year, but when Wilmer Flores <laughs> is on a streak, he puts on number four and you know he hits for him. Like what are you talking about? Maybe, he can't do anything else. Maybe he could pitch for them. They, they don't need you gotta pitching. stop. You gotta stop. <laughs> you, you you gotta go. Okay, what about this though? Michael Conforto. He's got if he plays well, they they have a chance. To They're play. looking to play him in what center field? Yeah, now? center field. And the weird thing about it is they sort of handled it right, but I wish they didn't send him down. Because I, I understand that he needed some time to work on his swing and all that sort of stuff. But I think what that ended up doing was you took him out of rhythm. And going from triple A. You're not working with a major league hitting coach. You're not working with the guys you worked with last year. You're not around the team. But I guess they wanted to try to maybe lower his service time a bit if they if he's going to be on the bench. that's why they did it, that's just dumb. Well, that's it's what you have to it's do if you're the general manager of a team. You have to look at the whole picture because then they, I don't know. You, we all know the Mets with their myriad of financial issues. So if th- one of the reasons why I say that they only have a short window, even though they're in the big market team, they should be able to lock these guys up for their whole careers. But if you're going to send them down, it's it, with a guy of Michael Conforto's talent. There's no reason to have him just come up and not play in a crew service time. I was oh, that was my theory when Greg Bird got hurt for the Yankees. It's better than him getting him um not playing in the major leagues, getting all that service time, or him being upset in AAA. At least when you sent down Conforto, it was because he wasn't performing. So we can't be really too mad at the team that he deserved a spot on the big club. But who who should they trade for though? I had reports that they should just trade for another pitcher since they only have DeGrom and Syndergaard really be healthy. Like yeah, Mads, only, you know? yeah, they have only have Bartolo DeGrom. is the greatest player in the history of baseball. Oh. <laughs> is not they the greatest. Bartolo is amazing. He's amazing, but he's not the greatest. Okay. Yeah. Bartolo is the greatest player of all time. I love that Bartolo That home run Cologne. was the most beautiful thing I've ever Bartolo seen. Bartolo is just a freaking nature. He's man. the greatest player of all time. My and favorite how, Bartolo. And Howie Col- Rose's call was perfect. My f- favorite Bartolo Cologne story is he was out of baseball for a year. He comes back with the Yankees. The Yankees tell him you have to go. You have to report it this way. Bartolo comes in thirty pounds overweight and still makes the team. <laughs> he is the greatest player of all time. And again, Howie Rose's call. 
home run Bartolo Colon. Repeat, home run Bartolo Colon. He couldn't believe it. But say what you want. He's still a very productive guy. He was he an is. all-star this year. They have four really good pitchers. They don't need pitching. They need a bat. They need a but bat badly. who are they going to trade for, for a bat? Well, look, you look who's out there. They could try to get Carlos Beltran, even though he can't play the it's outfield. Not gonna, he's not going to come back to the Well, why? They already reunited as part of the 0-16. They got Reyes <laughs> back. Maybe David Wright will come back. <laughs> this, is, this isn't a reunion. They're trying to win games here. They're not going to try to get all the old well, players from 06. Yeah, well, that's what they well, tried they, to do with Reyes. They got Reyes. Jose Reyes. Jose Reyes was, was not even playing, though. They, exactly. Like, he was suspended. A, they took a chance on Jose Reyes. He's kind of panned out. I mean, he hit two, he had a two-home game. Kind of, but he's still, you know, he is, but he's old, and he's not the same as he was he's before. He's 33. So, yeah, but in, in All right, terms so of speed, you go, if you go position by position, where do they need an upgrade? What do you guys think? The problem is this. First base for them, James Loney's doing okay, but he's not the big bat that they so desperately yeah, desire. That when they signed Lucas Duda to that long-term contract, in my gut, I'm like, this may not be a great great idea. Yeah, but just Loney's because of his home run potential, you had to do it. But I, 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 the same thing came here. And also, that throw in the World Series was disgusting. That's uh, hey. At least so, if they go that hey, at least if they go that far and they get Duda back, throw Loney in there as a defensive exactly. replacement. So you have a defensive replacement, but it's tough for the Mets because you don't know what the budget they're working with is, and you don't know who's out there, and you don't want to give up another guy like Michael Fulmer, who's having a Michael Fulmer, excuse me, he's having a great year with Detroit. You don't want to keep giving those guys up in the event you can't keep these pitchers down the road. You have guys you could bring up through the pipeline. So that's the problem with the Mets are facing right now. But what about New Walker? He's had a great year too. We have a solid year, but if it's like look at if you look at every position on the team. Like what? What it really is the position that you need upgrade? You know, they, base. you know who they could really use right now? David Wright, Daniel Murphy. <laughs> oh, don't tell Mets fans that. Uh, just like, but and we talked and, and we talked about it last week when you said it was a total business decision. It was a business it, decision. I still no, stick it by was that. no, I, it was it had to be because here's I I went to a Miami Heat game and I talked about it with Cliff Floyd a little bit. If you bought Daniel Murphy back, right? Their whole plan was that he can't play second base because they wanted to bring up guys to play. Okay, so Daniel Murphy wasn't going to start at second. If David Wright was healthy, he wasn't going to start at third. He yeah. was going to demand, what, $12 million a year? So you're going to pay him $12 million a year to platoon somewhere? And who was going to play over him at second base? I think, didn't they want to bring up Herrera? And then they traded for Neil Walker early in the offseason, and they got Cabrera early in the offseason. Cabrera, Cabrera made or, sense. Or they could have, I think they wanted to try Flores at second, too. Which would have made more sense than trying to roll with Herrera. Because Wilmer Flores, I get that, you know, people say, oh, he's not an everyday player. They didn't even give him a shot yeah, but the, really see, until they the, had to. But that's the point right there. They had two guys who they were wanted to plug in instead of Daniel Murphy. Which didn't, I, I never understood. It was a business decision. I mean, Daniel Murphy can't field, but he was always a professional hitter. Forget what he did in the playoffs because he, he was out of his mind, like we were talking about last week. But he's always good for 280. 10 to 12 home runs, 70 RBIs every year. And Professional hitter. And they don't get that now. Yeah, but I thought, like I said, it was a business decision. I had no problem no, it was with a business doing, decision. Doing letting him go. No, I have a problem with them letting him go because it was a bad business decision. It was a business decision, but it was a bad one. Like, if mm-hmm. Murphy was just playing terrible, everybody looked like, oh, you know, it's a good thing. Exactly. Then, but if he's playing like great, now they're like, oh, it's a bad decision. So it's like a lose-lose for, for the Mets if you think about it. Well, if he was playing like garbage, hitting 230, yeah, but he was hitting 280. He was a solid major league player. He always was a two. 75, 280 hitter. And he was, an, he was an organization guy, too. Yeah, they brought him up and developed him. I think they drafted him in 06. I think he came or he was on the team in 07 when they blew that terrible lead. So he's been with them through all those times. I think he was an organizational player. They should have kept him, but 
I, I guess with their finances, it, it, I understand the reasoning behind it. I don't like it, and I think it was a bad decision. But you can't, you know, think talk about it now because you know it's July, and, and he's already on the Nationals kicking you behind. Yeah, yeah, he just destroyed. So who would you guys time, look out for to, for the Mets to try to acquire? And could they because they've tried to get guys and plug them in, and who would they give up and kind of sit down for the, an acquired player to play? I mean, I guess the first question that I would look to answer is. What do you plan for Jose Reyes? Well, I think he's the super utility guy. He's playing yeah, third. Yeah, so you're okay with bringing him in off the bench? I th- think I you have think, to. Right? I think you have to. I don't think he's the type of guy we could start anymore. I think he's a guy well, he's who can come off the bench. He's a leadoff hitter right now. He is, but I don't think he should be. St- I, in my opinion, I don't think he should be starting. Well, he should be coming off the bench, if anything. If anything, you could look at it. This is kind of like his his early season and spring training because he hasn't really played a lot. Yeah. I, no, mean, but I mean, the reason I ask that is because... They need help at third base. Well, they, they're trying Reyes. That's that's their. But who's a realistic third base option right now? In, there in aren't many. Exactly, there's no one out there. So it's like, what what can you actually offer for the Mets? And I, I say it should either be a pitcher or or someone to bullpen. Like middle relief help, maybe. Maybe we have middle relief help. Well, the problem with the Mets, and I've said this all the time, I've said this a ton on the show, is they're not going to win the division. They're going to get into the wild card game. Yeah, second wild card. Their pitcher obviously. is going to. They're going to have a great starting pitching staff. Whoever pitches is going to pitch great. They're going to give up one run, and the Mets are going to lose one nothing because they can't hit. Yeah. Who's in that outfield? Let's see. You got set in the outfield. You have Lagares, Cespedes, Curtis. And Curtis is the play better. Okay. Yeah, Grant's got to play better. Curtis is the play better. And I like Curtis. He's a great guy. He had a great World Series for them last year, but he needs to play better. That's why they didn't. I don't. I think they gave him what a four-year deal. Yeah. So that fourth year, that might be a tough one. And the thing is, I'm. I'm just looking around because I did mention third base, and you guys were absolutely right. As far as big trade targets go, it's all outfielders and pitching. Yeah, that's all it is right now. So they got to either upgrade the bull- a bullpen or get another starting pitcher. If anything, they should upgrade the bullpen so when the they finally have those games where they could hit, they could protect the lead better. So that way when DeGrom falters in the seventh inning after pitching a one-hit shutout, instead of going, oh, crap, who's next? You go, okay. And it's, it has to be so disheartening for those pitchers who pitch their hearts out. They pitch a great game. They make one mistake. And you know it has to add added stress on that arm because oh, you yeah. know you have to, every pitch basically has to be a perfect pitch or you're going to get the loss. Because the NFL has really perfected what it means to be a 12-month sport, we are still in July, and we are talking NFL. One week away from training camps. Yeah, the NBA is doing a good job of that, too, though. Yeah, that's, that's talking about like, almost like a year-round sport for them. The, the offseason is almost better than the regular season, especially this year because sure. Golden Skate's going to you know, run the league. But back to the NFL, <laughs> back to the NFL, training camps are open next week. You have the Jets. Still not with, uh, without a quarterback. We're going to talk about them a little next week. You have the Giants. They spent a lot of money in free agency. And th- every offseason, the NFL does this list of the top 100 players. And I'm interested to hear your guys' opinion on number one, Cam Newton. I think J.J. Watt's still the best player in the NFL. But what do you guys think of Cam Newton? My, my theory regarding Cam Newton is that it's because he was his team's offense that it kind of made the most sense to me. Maybe not number one, but that's why he should be top five for Definitely. me. Definitely. I think Tom Brady should be number one. I think well, he should I don't be think number that. two and number three, Cam Newton. 
I Tom Brady rushing. number one? No. No, I don't think Tom, Tom Brady's Brady is a one. monster. Tom Brady's a great quarterback. Him, he's a monster. But look, but you field. have to look also who they have to throw to. And I guess the other argument is look who Tom Brady had in the past when he had guys like Troy Brown and Deion Branch, even though Deion Branch won a Super Bowl MVP. He never did anything after that. But I don't think Tom Brady's the best player in the NFL. You don't think he's the best quarterback though in the NBA? If you, NBA and NFL? If you go Not against if you go against there's a blueprint on how to stop Tom Brady. There's been a blueprint since the Giants did it in the last game of the 07 regular season. Even though they put up 38 points, the Giants got to him and they lost that game 38-35 when the Giants were playing for nothing, the Patriots were playing for 16 and 0. Yeah. And then you fast forward to the Super Bowl, Plaxico Burris says we're going to win the game 21-17. And Tom Brady goes, we're only going to score 17 points. They only scored 14 points, and the Giants won because they continued to get to Tom Brady. They did the same thing when they won the Super Bowl four years later. That's the blueprint on Tom Brady. You get to the quarterback, you get to Tom, you hit him a little bit, you rattle him. That's how you beat him. And it's a little easier to do that now because the Patriots' offensive line used to be as stout as stout could be and throughout his entire career. But, but now it's that falling bad, away. Tom Brady's not, better, not, just because you say he's not the best player in the NFL doesn't mean we're saying he's a bum. He's really oh. he's a great player. He yeah. might be one of the greatest quarterbacks. Of all he time. is one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, backs argument, of all time. He might best. be the best. Yeah. I threw up in my mouth a little bit hearing yeah, that, but I mean, it's also <laughs> true. But as yeah. for me, I don't think Cam Newton's the best quarterback in the NFL or the best player in the NFL. Who do you think is the best quarterback, though? I think well, maybe think he's Brady? the best quarterback, not Tom Brady. Well, uh, Tom Brady's up there, but you can, look at Ar- you can look at Aaron Rodgers. You can look at, you know. But if you look at skill set, I could say Aaron Rodgers is probably the best quarterback. Exactly. From so, top okay, to bottom, okay. So, everything. did you think Cam Newton should be the number one player in the NFL? I think he should be number three. Okay. So, so the no, what now. I was going to say is if you thought yes, then you just said Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in the NFL. So, how could Cam be? You know, number one player, but you agreed with me. So. <laughs> no, no, I'm just that point. I, I stand by it. Is I'm Cam just, Newton the best? Cor- is he the best at his position? Yes, he is. As of right now, I think I, I still think Aaron Rodgers. If you have a lineup, it, we people talk about the eyes all the time. If you have Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Cam Newton, and you have the caveat that they're all going to play to the back of their football cards, I think Cam Newton's the third pick. I understand that because he kind of stepped into his own this year. Or fine, but, but my, uh, my but my argument for that is only because he does play different from his other two counterparts because Rodgers doesn't rush as much. Oh, Aaron and Tom, could rush. He no, can, no. but he doesn't run as much as no, Newton does. Okay, so I'll, I'll switch to. it up like this. So you look at the back of their football cards, and they all have the best season they've ever had. Cam Newton still goes third. It's true. Yeah. That, that so, true. so in that case, he can't be the best player in the NFL if he's not even the third best player in his position. See, I, but, again, you're, we're, we're reflecting on the back of their lineup cards – Excuse me, their football cards instead of looking at what they did this past year. But, okay, but Tom Brady's still the second best player who's ranked in the NFL, still a great quarterback, got his team to the AFC Championship game, been there five years in a row, and Aaron Rodgers still had a great year in Green Bay. If you rank, it's not like Aaron Rodgers got had a throw. I agree. But if you I'm not the, saying that it's that extreme either. I'm yeah. just saying that there is an argument for making Cam Newton number one. If yeah, because the they did go 15 to 1. But if you rank the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, Cam Newton's 100% in it. What would Cam Newton be, though, in that top five? Probably three. Elite, I th- in my three opinion. Three for you. Three, I would, or, I would, but I, and this is not me being a Cam Newton hater. I, I thought he was great coming out of Auburn. Everyone said he would be terrible. I was always thinking, well, he could run. If you look where the NFL is going, he's perfect for that. He could throw. He's a cannon for an arm. And he's he's a six five two six. You can't tackle him. I'll put Aaron Rodgers number one, okay. Brady number two, Newton number three. What about Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, I think, is in the summer. If six, Russell Wilson, number if, six spot. If Ru- who's opinion. number five then? 
Number five would be Roethlisberger. I don't think he's better than Roethlisberger. Russell's better than Roethlisberger at this point. I don't know about that even. It's tough. But I, if, if Russell I wins that does. second Super Bowl, it's a different it's conversation. Absolutely. But he got his team there, and if, but he made a terrible throw. Well, would you put Carson Palmer in that for what year he had last Absolutely year? Absolutely not. No, because no, then Arizona would have done something with that record. Instead, they got smacked. Exactly. Yeah, they got smacked hard, though. But he's still a good quarterback. But that's the problem with Carolina. It's so hard to judge because the NFC really wasn't that great. The whole year, I was. what did I say? Every time we were watching football, I'm like, the NFC is terrible. It's awful. The, the, the teams are good because they're playing terrible teams. Like Arizona, I was like, I'm not high on them. I don't think they'll be that good. I understand their defense, but I don't think they're that good of a team. I said the same thing about Carolina because even though they were 15-1, I was like, well, you look at the game against Atlanta. They should have lost probably against Seattle when they played them early in the year. They should have had some losses. They probably should have lost to the Giants. That's true. So like, but but a couple of those games you can credit Cam having the ball late, and they actually managed exactly. To get it done. But the whole point I was saying was that there can't be that great of a team or like the Super Bowl champion. You could make the same comparison to the Warriors. Like Charles Barkley says, they're not going to win the was saying they're not going to win the championship because they're a jump shooting team. They're not that good. Well, I never thought Carolina would win the Super Bowl because I just didn't believe in Cam Newton in that offense. Yeah, they that's, top, that's fair. Top defense, and then it just got shut down. No, because if if the way that Denver's defense, you weren't going to beat Denver. I mean, unless Peyton Manning had a terrible game, but Denver didn't throw the ball that time. And a lot, it just ran the ball. So the whole it's funny. I was and it's funny. I was talking to Clinton Yates from the undefeated around that time, and I said Carolina's going to go. He's like, Von Miller's going to show up, and I'm like, Yeah, 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 whatever. Von Miller's a Super Bowl MVP. Exactly. So if he was like really the best player, they they would have found a way because Carolina that whole game had their chances. They did, and they couldn't capitalize. They did. That's very true. And if Cam Newton was literally that great of a player, and you could argue New England should have even beat Denver, because if you look at the way New England lost that game, they didn't. They went for two, or they kicked the field goal, or something bizarre. Something weird. Something bizarre happened. Forgive me, it was all those months ago, but something bizarre happened that New England basically they drove back down the field. I think they went for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal. Yeah. Because they didn't think they'd get the ball back. That's right. And then they got the ball back, drove down, and then they they had to kick the field goal or score a touchdown, which would have put them ahead. So but remember, the Patriots the found ex- a way. They missed the extra point, too, and that yeah. point was the biggest point that, that – Almost throw out everything at the end of the game. You feel like if they had that point, it would have been exactly. And but of the, all people to miss that, Steven Gostowski, you never would. But the point I'm making is Tom Brady found a way to put his team in a position to win against the Super Bowl champions. Did Cam Newton do that in the Super Bowl? Yeah, he didn't. No, he didn't. So it's true. That's why I think Cam Newton might not be the best player in the NFL. I'm not saying he shouldn't have won the MVP. The guy had an unbelievable year. He's great. He's a great player. He just might not be the best player in the NFL, which isn't a slight. What about Antonio Brown being in the top five players too? Top, uh, Antonio he had a Brown great year. I can believe Peterson. it. So he had both, a great year. I think both are in their probably number one in, in their position. So so it makes sense Brown, that they're in the top five. I mean, Peterson just had a great year last year. He might have another great year this year. Brown's gonna have another great year too. So well, I don't know if Le'Veon Bell does get suspended. It's gonna be tough. But they played without Le'Veon Bell last year. But Antonio Brown's also a smart receiver though. Just yeah, but Brown's a smart receiver, though. I mean, he might have all the physical gifts to like do things where uh, he can go deep and everything. But I tell you, Brown is a. I just smart don't receiver. understand the drop of JJ Watt. What did he do to deserve to get dropped? I don't understand. The See, that's I know NFL players make up the list. Question. NFL players make up the list, but if you look at all the, and then you find out after the season ends, after he wins all these awards, he's playing with a ton of injuries the whole year, and he still puts up monster numbers. Still makes the All Pro, Defensive Player of the Year. What did he do to get dropped? Two spots from one to three. 
Well, let's look at the look at two New York teams. We have the Giants and Jets. The Giants they had Beckham at ten and Eli at forty seven. The Jets had Revis at twenty four, Marshall at twenty five. But what did that have to do with being in the top ten? Because you could go well, I'm back. Saying, I'm saying just saying that when the players rank. You know positions and what rank they are, whatever okay, that. Okay, okay. I think it just depends on what the ha- impact they had that year. Remember, Texans made the, the playoffs year, last year. The Texans, I don't think the year before did but anything. I think, but I know why they had. Made, I think they might have finished just out of it. They probably went seven and nine or something. Why had a good which year? Means, which means you're year, though. Which means your argument if actually anything, makes JJ Watt makes some they, sense. They better. <laughs> it makes sense. Why had a good year, but I don't think he had you a have any great co- year. You know how many quarterbacks the Texans had last year? And they still made the playoffs? Too many. Yeah, no, exactly. So what did J.J. Watt do? J.J. Watt's catching touchdowns again last year. <laughs> so what did he do to get dropped? That's really I, – I mean, I'm not trying to hand on Cam Newton. If anything, I'm more of an advocate for J.J. Watt. Maybe he wasn't as big impact as he was in 2000. They had That's a better impossible. year. He, the, he was all pro, pro bowl, defensive player of the year. He had the exact same year, if not better. And he's catching touchdowns. Maybe because the NFL is such a pass happy league that they see Cam Newton doing this and that, or Tom Brady just doing that, and rank higher than a defensive player. But if that's the case, then if we can, if 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 we're arguing that the NFL is a pass happy league, wouldn't it also make sense that one of the biggest disruptors of the pass game would retain his spot? Make a good point. He bats down at a ton of passes. He could pick stuff off. So. Like that's what's that's what's really new about him at that position because usually when we think about linemen, they're supposed to go for the quarterback, no holds barred, no matter what. But to be able to see the field and also be have the wherewithal to knock passes down, it's the single most. Even if you play something like flag football, if you're the quarterback, quick reflexes need to be to do that to yeah, bat it yeah, down. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's like as a quarterback, if someone just smacks it down and says not in my house, you're kind of like wow. Maybe I should but drop maybe, back a little deeper. Maybe look at Cam Newton, who's like this flashy quarterback that will just run through anybody for a touchdown. Well, the whatever. fifteen and, and he, one, and the MVP, a, yeah, and the MVP, yeah, and also he has like a, a tremendous arm strength. They look at that more, and the players look at him and say he's the best player right now. So but who, he doesn't believe he he even says so he's not the best player. He doesn't. Well, believe he that. just might be humble. He might be humble about it, of course. But every player in the NFL, if they're that good. Why, they believe they're the best and player they also, in the league. Look at it this point. The quarterback position is probably the most important position in all sports. It is. So maybe that that's why Watt was lower. But then you go back be. then you can go back to the other argument where you can say Cam Newton might not even be the best at his position. Right now though, if you look at it stat wise, like what he did last year and, and all you know, all accomplishments that he did. Would this right now you say it, but well, I still he think was it's the MVP. I still think it's Rogers, but maybe right now they look at it because what he did last year that Cam Newton was my number one. So if we put on our future helmets or whatever, I, I don't understand why I said it like, <laughs> quite like that. But if you look ahead to next year and Cam Newton has a similar year to what he did this year. He wins the MVP again. He's developing a track record. And that's yeah. the track that's record the, that we That's use. when you get. Exactly. So then I would be more willing to say, well, he's had back-to-back great years. And Cam Newton, it's not like he came out of nowhere. He's had a great career so far. He's only improved every year almost. Mm-hmm. Just, just remember this, though. A lot it's very rare to see a defensive player be number one in the NFL. Revis was, was number one one year. I forgot which year it was. He was the number we one player. We got Revis. You have, I mean, yeah, no, well, defensive. The, I well, mean, it's just because hard. of this list. I mean, yeah. but you've had defensive players be the top guys in the NFL before. Look at Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, he's number one. I mean, you have, one. To, go back a, year, you have yeah. to go back a long time. Yeah, but. if it was one of those years where Lawrence Taylor was number one, he probably would have been number one because no, everybody was said he's the one who changed the game and everything. But, like, right now, you look at the quarterback position, you're getting seeing them get paid so much money to throw a football in, in the pocket 
and literally they can't be touched because if they are, then the defense player oh, that, gets that's flagged. Another thing. Gets so flagged. it's kind of so hard. It's like, to it's like it's hard to say why why Watt was three, but if you make the case for it, maybe because the quarterback is just the most important position that they see that as saying, you know, we gotta rank these two these two top players in their in the quarterback position, saying they're number one. But and if, two. if anything, that hurts your argument because they're making it easier for quarterbacks to excel. So they're not as good as they used to be because, and they're limiting the defense. That that's really true, but just saying in terms of like, like I said, everybody likes the passing. Everybody likes to pass. Everybody goes you know deep and all that stuff, or they you know they, they make good decisions on the field and then the leaders on the on the field. We look at the quarterback position as the like the evolution of. This is the most important position for any team to be successful in winning a Super Bowl. And I guess we, I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers won the MVP in 2014, right? Yeah. So he wasn't ranked the number one player. J.J. Watt was. So I, that's a whole thing. The rankings. We could argue the rankings. We could argue the rankings. It's tough to understand what they're doing. It's the players the, and what they did, what they voted for. So you gotta see what we mean. We gotta ask them then, and why they voted for Cam Newton. It's interesting to see. Yeah. So I'm gonna give you guys my weird theory. Now you guys are probably gonna be laughing about this, but I was thinking about it. I think LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, if they stay together in Cleveland, are the Shaq and Kobe of this generation. Get out! Now I'm right now. Look, I'll tell. Get you, out! I'll tell you why. One, Shaq and Kobe are a two and a five. Kyrie and LeBron are a one and a three. Who also sometimes plays the four and LeBron and the five. Sometimes. LeBron doesn't play the uh, whatever. Well, LeBron plays the five. Like, when they when teams go really small, and but that's look, really but really I'll small. Give, I'll give you, and not even. I'll give you three reasons. Okay, look, one, I'll probably write about this too, but LeBron is a physical freak. Shaq was a physical freak. Irving was a scorer. Kobe was a scorer. I can score anybody. Okay, that's that's one you reason. You know who else is a really good scorer? Jamal Crawford. Okay, but you know okay. see Kobe too. <laughs> okay, but remember, Irving said he had to put his black mamba mentality in that shot over uh, Curry. So I put my seven. black mamba mentality into hosting this radio show. It doesn't mean I'm Kobe. <laughs> oh but my also, Irving made a lot of ridiculous shots in that game seven. Kobe does that, you know, like when he was in his prime. He did that one, a lot of times too, like ridiculous shots that you think he would have made. Okay, so Kobe what, what's does. The, what's Kobe the third makes reason? All, oh. What's the third reason? Look, the third reason, I, I believe that, that them on the court together, they're probably the, the NBA's best dynamic duel over everybody What about else. Curry and Durant? What about Curry and Thompson? What about Curry and Green? <laughs> they're a big four, though, right now. But you said but when they're on the court together, they're the best dynamic duo. I've just given you a few others that... They dropped 40, Irving and LeBron, on that, that is Warriors true. team. That's okay. something that's never been done before. I think Shaq and Kobe do because that one, Cleveland once in a while, had, too. Cleveland has nobody else to score. And here's what's really important about why your theory might give me some pause. Kyrie is an ISO player. LeBron is an ISO player. So what kind of dynamic are those two supposed to have together? Well, I mean, well, yeah, because like Kobe and Shaq could have, wait, Kyrie and LeBron love each other. Well, Kobe that, and Shaq that, hated I, each other. Yeah, but maybe I mean, like with Kobe and Shaq, you could run the pick and roll. You could run some like but sometimes dip I'm, the ball into the post yeah. and run some back cuts with Kobe. You can't do that with LeBron and Kyrie. But sometimes you can Irving do the and, post thing. But. Irving and LeBron sometimes they just don't. They don't like when it comes on the court when they're making these decisions. They like you know why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? That's it's like Kobe and Shaq. Shaq and happens. Kobe did it. That happens to everybody. Curry and Thompson. The Warriors love each other. They fight all the time. Yeah, but also Irving, you know, from the finals, you established yourself as probably, as probably one of the best score, probably one of the most offensive point guard scorer in the league right now. He was already a top you five offensive You got the two-time MVP guard. as a point guard. He had one bad finals. You're going to say he's a bum? I don't say, I never say he was a bum. I'm just but saying you're that. elevating Kyrie off a couple good finals games. I get Kyrie had some of the greatest finals games. He dropped 40 points. But do you know how bad he shot in some of those games? The games one through four when they lost? 
play. Were you he, saying about a Kyrie then? He is. Also, Let him develop a trap record but first. But he is a, a Bryant supporter, like a Bryant. Like he, he really everybody loves. loves Co- everyone no, loves Kobe. Irving, he retired yeah, last yeah, year. They gave him a whole tour. Irving's mentality every time he's on the court, like he gets some of that from Bryant too. In fact, Bryant helped him out for shooting too, which is why you see Irving shooting yeah, you the ball more that, effectively. You hear? I remember after Kyrie scored, what was it, fifty-five or fifty-seven against Somewhere, the Spurs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "Yeah, I made that last shot because Kobe always told me to keep my elbow pointed at the rim." Which is why he's more. Yeah, so that's a mentor-mentee relationship. So how is yeah, LeBron is. like Shaq? But, but LeBron's like Shaq because LeBron's a physical freak. Okay, he he can do whatever he wants on the court. Nobody can stop look, him. Look, look. can't stop Shaq. And they I both gotta stop you right there. They both can't shoot free throws. That's about the, <laughs> that. That's the similarity. <laughs> and and honestly, I have to stop you right there because yes, LeBron James is a physical freak at six eight two sixty. Shaq was seven foot one. 250. No, Some Shaq was like 300, 300 three, Over 300, 300 pounds. muscle when he, in, in his prime. And, and then, he could you know, run like crazy. There was nobody They're like both Shaq. physical freaks. But, but not, but no not like stop, that. No not like Shaq. Well, you could say Wilt was, but that's going way back. No one can stop Shaq. Like no one can stop LeBron. You can see that comparison. Just look at it that no way. No one can stop LeBron. Huh? I mean, he's on a, when he's running at you at, at full speed, you, know, you think anybody's going to stop him? Le- LeBron running at full speed like that, and yeah. Shaq goes in the post and dominates with his strength. He just gets dunked over. LeBron doesn't dominate in the post all the time. No, I'm not saying. But I'm, not, I'm saying when he's on the fast break, you think nobody's gonna stop LeBron? Like he literally, you, you, it's like hard. You can do he a doesn't even go it. hard to the to the rim like that much anymore. Well, just because he's hard to guard doesn't mean he's like Shaquille O'Neal. He's a dominant. I'm just saying physically, he's dominant. Okay, so just who's like gonna Shaq stop was. Carmelo Anthony when he's driving full force on a fast break to the rim? But I think he doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron does he does, he does, he does that he more than up. LeBron does. Yeah, but not on, on like a, a one one you know one man fast break. I'm it, saying LeBron they, okay, is like a one okay, man fast but break. But if LeBron and Carmelo both have one man fast breaks, which will ha- Carmelo will get one of those during the NBA season, who oh, will man. stop Carmelo? I don't know. But so center, is Carmelo centers. like so? Yeah, so is Carmelo like Shaq too? No, come on. Like exactly. That. So you're the I'm whole just, principle you're I'm saying, saying is wrong. But I'm still saying I, I still believe though that that James uh, if they stay together, James and Irving are gonna be a Shaq and Kobe's generation. Okay, so you're saying that LeBron and Kyrie are gonna three peat. Yeah. Win three out of four. Well, that means they would win three out of four finals also, and in one fi- in one playoffs lose one game the whole playoffs. Maybe they won. Maybe they win another championship. So they, but, how can they not I'll, be? I I don't know about three P. I'll be the that's the them. Shaq and Kobe of the generation though. Shaq and Kobe won three in a row, and they didn't do it against garbage competition. They did the East was garbage, but the West was great. They were playing against Tim Duncan. They were playing against Stockton and Malone at the end of their careers. But if you look at them playing on the against court Dirk, together, they 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 both have no, they to get don't. 40, 40 points. They gotta get forty points in one game each. Chris get Paul 40. and Blake Griffin can get forty points in one game too. That doesn't mean that they're Shaq. And Kobe, yeah, but they don't like force their will as much as both of them. Like LeBron and Irving, they force their will on an opponents, and they, and sometimes you just can't stop them. Kyrie Irving forces his will. You seen the shots that he made in the finals? How many? Those Ky- are all will shots. Did Kyrie? Right? Did They're Kyrie average twenty points a game last year? No, exactly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he's still young. But he's still young. I'm just saying he's still young. Col- he was Kobe's. How old Kobe was? When he was winning three in a row with Shaq, Kobe came out in 96, was 17 He's years 20, old. 21, he was 21 and won his first title. Yeah, Col- he, Kyrie like Irving's 23, 24. Yeah, so, okay. Titles. But I'm saying they're around that age. But I'm saying, like, Irving has this mentality where he has a will shot over anybody. And he just, just makes it over two people. He, he did that in, in, in the finals, too. He went over two people. And it's just like, what are you supposed so to do? So did Kobe when Shaq, I mean. Yeah, but Even I'm saying. Curry's they, made shots like that during the finals, shooting over two people. 
Yes, but I'm just saying in general, I, f- I believe that when it's all said and done, ho- hopefully it is, but that Irving and James, Bishak uh, uh, and Kobe, the generation, people are going to talk about them as being the dynamic duel. So what, when you ranks. say, so when you say the Shaq and Kobe, the generation, you mean they're going to match the stats, stats for stat? Like meaning, with meaning team success, not stat for stat, meaning team success, they're going to match. I think they're going to match the impact they have on the court. I believe they're, they're so that pe- means team success. That means, no. so that means team success. So you team think they're going to, they're going to possibly three peat? Maybe. Do you think PR, they'll three P? Their PERs will be similar. Who cares about PER? But the, I'm just saying, you just want to do it like that, like stat-wise. No, wise, I'm no, saying, not, not, no I'm one cares. Team about for that. team success. That's the most important thing at the end of the day. So you think at the end of the day they're gonna have similar team success that the that the early 2000s Lakers had? Possibly. Well, what a possibly? Because, yes or because no? Because Tyron Lue was a coach for them and he was on those teams. So because so so he comes I, from the I, Phil Jackson really? tree. Really? Yeah. Really? From the Phil Jackson tree. Exactly, he's gonna. So do Tyron Lue is Phil Jackson? No, I'm not saying he's Phil Jackson. <laughs> no make, one's Phil Jackson. You're just making this up as you go along. No, I'm not making this up as I go along. I I was thinking about this. In fact, I write about it still. Still, but I'm just saying I believe it. it, it it's possible. I have to say if they're together, it's possible it could be like that. Because I think everybody wants to see who's the who's gonna be the next Shaq and Kobe of the generation that were dominant. The, the problem is do. I don't th- I don't think you're gonna get another Shaq and Kobe. Well, we this should generation. be talking about who's gonna be the next Jordan Pippen because those guys <laughs> went six and zero. Oh. <laughs> Jordan Shaq Pippen and Kobe went th- three and three one. and one. See, Jordan Pippen would have been uh, Wade and uh, LeBron, but they're not together anymore, and they only won two titles, so they can't. They should have won one. And they should have won one. Yeah, but they they won two. So. Well. No, they, but, the, but the Spurs still lost two. that one. But it's still two. Okay? The they Spurs still, lost that one. No, the, the Heat just took it from them. Okay? No, they didn't. No, they, they took Ray it Allen them. bailed them out. He bailed them out, but they still took it from them. That's all I'm saying. He, they, those are antonyms. You can't say they bailed them out and then they took it for them. Those are two <laughs> opposing principles. Yeah, but, they, don't give, but they didn't give him a title. You have to earn your title, too. So they earned the title. They just they, they no. Just, they literally they, gave it to him. They took Tim Duncan out. Chris Bosh. The, the Chris only Bosch jumped over Ginobili's back. Literally gave the ball to Ray Allen. <laughs> Ray Allen. They took they shot. took advantage though. They took advantage of what what was presented to them. If, this, if the Heat did the other way around, the Spurs took advantage of them. Then people would have said, you know, oh wow. Well, they would have said the Heat that? choked, and everyone would have killed the Heat. Yeah, because everyone the media at that point, everyone loved killing the Heat. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like. I'm just saying, in probably possible five years, we'll see. I don't even. You, I don't change. know if you could say. If you had, if LeBron had, had, if Dwayne Wade was Kyrie Irving's age right now, that you know, LeBron and Kyrie would have been better than LeBron and Dwayne Wade would have been if Dwayne Wade was never hurt. Uh-huh. So if anything, like they, you had what could have been the Shaq and Kobe or the Jordan Pippen, and because Dwayne Wade couldn't stay healthy, they left that. But he still has Irving, and he's a young. Talent, I don't think Kyrie so. Irving's that that good. Not, that good enough to beat Kobe. Not, he's least, still a great player. Yeah, he's a superstar. I just want to make that. I want to make that clear. I think he he went from okay, he's a good player to he went to superstar status. Yeah. in my opinion, at least not yet. But okay. that doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer and a guy as great as Kobe was. Well, not yet. I still believe though that Irving just he's getting started and eventually will be in that conversation. All right. So so LeBron James is Shaq. Kyrie Irving is Kobe. Who's Kevin Love? Kevin Love. <laughs> Kevin Love is Robert Ory. He just didn't write, didn't write good, uh, moments and just like. Get, I mean, you would have been better off with Rick Fox, but close enough. Kevin Love is. Well, Rick Fox was a three. Kevin Love is a big man. But so Kevin Love is making, what, $20 million? Robert, then he's Robert Ory? He's Robert Ory is thinking, I was born too, I was born too early. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm just man. saying. You never know. But I still believe that. I think we do know. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I believe that, though. 
And with that, we we, we have to get out of here because I'm, I'm still wrapping my mind around that because, wow. Anyway, you can follow us on, rather subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud. I'm telling you, we've already picked up some steam. What are we, 11 episodes how, now? How could you not want to follow us and miss Ray's Amazing Theory? <laughs> Oh, it's the theory next week. I got something planned. Hey, don't spoil it. Right? Yeah, please don't spoil it. I'm not spoiling it, but it'll be, it'll be funny. You're giving us another opportunity to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. How, how could you want to miss that? It's, it's a special special segment. It's a good. Oh, it's entertaining. At any rate, like we said, subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Twitter. At Mornings 10. At Jeremy EPS. And at N underscore A-S-O-N-Y-E. Gotta write and this time. at Slam City underscore 360 on Twitter. And then, of course, the site, The Dunk 360, because there could be only one. That's right. We're out of here. See you next week. <laughs>